I think you should always strive to find the light for things that inspire you. You may need to do tandem, other work that you may not like, but don't just go for the money. Inform, inspire, and evolve. Welcome to Creating Community for Good, a podcast dedicated to philanthropy, the love of humankind. Join host Lindsay Simons in a friendly conversation about contributing to good as we bring together community, positivity, and energy to the business of generosity. Welcome your host, Lindsay Simons. Hello, podcast friends. I am so excited about this episode. Belia Tejada is a woman who runs with the wolves as a figure of speech. She's vivacious, unafraid, expressive, and deeply loving. Her joy to vive and courage and passion exude from her being. She mentions icons such as Coco Chanel and Frida Kahlo. But if you ask me, I'd say she's a modern day interpretation of the two of them. When you listen to this episode, I'm sure you'll hear why Delia Tejada is one of my living heroines. For a little more background, Delia and I met through Joe Alioto when I was brand new to San Francisco in 2011. Joe and I met at San Francisco's Board Match, which connects individuals like me who want to serve and organizations like the Imagine Bus who need volunteer leadership. She hosted me, other board members, and friends alongside her at a communal table at her moody library-style dining room in her illustrious home. After she told me the address and before I arrived, she said, don't worry, you can't miss it. There was a five-foot peace sign lit up in the front door. And boy, was I in for a treat. The design of her home, the flavor of the food, the dynamism of the conversation had me dreaming about what world this magical woman had created and how I could get to know it better. Although I didn't join the board immediately, I was always a supporter of the Imagine Bus Project until many years later when then Maria Cristini and Thalia sat me down to invite me onto the board again, and I did join. Thalia is a co-owner of Tejada Wines, the founder of Hotel Moleno Tejada, the creator of a photo book called Inmortales, The Immortals, and a recently retired chief creative officer of Restoration Hardware. Pretty impressive career history, if you ask me. For over 30 years, Thalia has worked in the design industry, running her own fashion house and serving as a brand and design leader. She was part of Williams-Sonoma's Pottery Barn, Kids, PV Teens Division, and more. She was born in Spain, but resides in San Francisco. And her design springs from traveling the globe, honoring the past and appreciating elegance, comfortable living, and beauty. She also recently opened a retreat center at the site of an old stone mill in Cantabria, Spain, a special project aimed at helping develop the rural valley where she was born and raised. And you'll hear her talk about that quite a bit. This is an episode to listen to with a journal, a canvas and paints, or perhaps even with a book club, or definitely how I listened to it was on a long walk. It's about 70 minutes. So hang in there. It's a long one, but I promise you it's worth it. If you're like me, I was only hoping for more. Before I begin, I want to share with you this really beautiful prose-like description of her newly released view book, In Mortales, to set the stage for this beautiful conversation about womanhood, career choices, bringing together communities, even a little bit of politics, love, and all the other important things. Please visit the website in Mortales to see beautiful portraits of elderly members of her community captured by the talented photographer, Nathan Dehart. Now, here is the quote from the website. 
We leave the fields of Castilla Burgos behind and enter the green lands of Cantabria. The landscape changes colors, textures, history. At a bend in the wide road that leads to Santander, we turn off towards El Valle Encantado. Here you see intact natural beauty so difficult to find in the crowded lives of our cities. This is the mission of Belia Tejada, an entrepreneur who left her town very young to forge a path of strength and talent in San Francisco, a city in which she enjoyed great personal and professional achievements. But her heart was always to return home, the spearhead of a project that defines it, offering its valley to all and honoring the memory of those who lived and inhabited it, people who have spoken to us since the impressive photos from this book, in Mortales, a unique document that pays tribute to the elders, all of them titans with rough faces and powerful looks, faces that go far beyond the skin and reveal an unwavering will. The following year, we wove the narratives of their lives, of the stories that make up In Mortales, a book that retells the stories of the lives of those who are no longer here and share their wonderful messages of a better future. Okay, that's it. Here we go. Welcome, Bela Tejada. I'm so excited that you're here. We know each other through service on the Imagine Bus Project, but it was really the moment that I was absolutely enamored by you was at the gala for the Imagine Bus Project, and you were wearing a beautiful necklace that I am now wearing. I ran up to you and I said, I love what you're doing. And I love that necklace so much. And you took it off your neck and you gave it to me. It was the most striking experience I've ever had. And I wear it all the time with pride. And it's such a beautiful story of generosity and love. And it reminds me of you and your creative spirit and your whimsy that just says, if you love it so much, you should have it then. (laughs) So, Thalia, tell me about like, what is your... What gives you a sense of community? Tell me about how do you frame your thinking around community at large? Well, I think it's, it's just a, it comes back uh, to a very simple thing. I think I, I, uh, I come from a little village in the north of Spain where community is our life. That's, we are born into a small community. Everybody's super important in that community. Everybody counts. And uh, the joy is to spend time with, with people create a community you know and I, I think here uh, community for me it, it, I, I have tried with all my heart to build the same type of tribe I guess you know because it's really what fulfills my heart yeah absolutely and you are a creative genius tell us a little bit about just your story so being born in northern Spain and then when did you come to America and how did you land here in the Bay Area it's a long story, yes, because I have lived for a number of years, right? Uh, lucky enough to be here and to be alive. I came, I come, I was born in a very little village in the north of Spain. We were 100 people when I was born. Right now, the village is even smaller, 45 people in the winter. And I came here, I studied design in the Basque country at that time. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And I ended up coming on, on when I was 20. I was not even in a legal age to drink, which was a big surprise to me coming from Spain. You know, you, you can go to a local bar when you are 16, 18. Anyway, I came here when I was 20 to San Francisco. I fell in love with a wonderful young man and I came to visit. The rest is history. 
he 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 was determined to keep me here and one week led to another one month led to another and this was back in 1979 so you can do the count you know <laughs> so i've been here for 40 years really and uh, it's been amazing so i i just somehow some just in my heart same way that spain is in my heart but this is really i have found here an incredible nest to to build a life that uh, you know, it's a dream life, really. You know, I, I think this this city, this city for me has been amazingly good. So I'm very happy. Your home is like a museum. It's a wonder. It's a wondrous place. You walk in and you're just enamored with the art and the beauty and the surprise, the whimsy at every corner. We had a fundraising event here with Aisha Curry and her team from International Smoke. And I just would love for you to set the stage and share with us how you host people in your long dining room table and what the spirit of that room is all about. Well, uh, you caught me actually in a moment in which I am writing a book about Tertullias, which is what these gatherings that I've been doing. I started doing this gathering in 1988. A group of friends, we were in our late 20s, and uh, we just started doing Sunday night dinners that turned eventually in what we call in Spain, tertulias, which is, you know, kind of the art of gathering and, and discussing poetry, love, sex, everything that it goes with life. But of course, all around food and wine and, and friends and people that they are, uh, you know, they, you know, really in the end, it's about building that community. We've been doing this for all these years and we do it every Thursday night. And my home, I've been lucky enough that it has been kind of the, the, the nest for these gatherings in a weekly basis for all these years. And that has contributed to build little by little this, this community of family, of friends, that it has become such an amazing part of my life. It gives me strength and gives me inspiration. I always say, you know, alone, I, I have evolved to be strong, you know, with with this family of friends we describe, I feel invincible, you know, out to the world and inwards, you know, within the home. And and really, it's, it's about gathering and spending time with people that you love and you care and uh, cooking and, of course, uh, you know, having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Your holiday parties are something I look forward to every year. I hope that we can have those again sometime because it's a continuation of those dinners, but it's the whole tribe is welcome and it's just merriment and joy and creativity and laughter throughout the house. So Thalia, I want to try to break down the barriers of this being an interview and just talk with you. I want you to know that you have been an inspiration to me from afar and working with you as well. Um, you're just such a light and inclusive and creative. And you say that design and creativity create community. And I, I see that in the fabric of how you exist. You're a model. You've also modeled, but you are a role model. I'm curious about your journey from, from modeling to photography to design houses and then working with Restoration Hardware as the chief creative officer. And you recently retired and started a new journey. And if I may, I believe that you've given away enough secrets to say, I recall when you turned 60 just recently and you celebrated it all over the internet and said, I am 60 and beautiful and proud. And I'm so excited about my future and what I'm bringing, what's coming into my universe. So I want to ask you, like, what is coming into your universe and what does your world look like right now in your 60s and 
past in your retirement, but still working every day. And what are you working on? Well, I think uh, uh, 60 is, is, the, is the window opening to a whole new journey, a whole new journey of reinvention. It is, I, I always have felt that, you know, you live your decades and every decade has a purpose, you know, the purpose of my, the, now getting into the 60s and the next uh, chapter in my life, this chapter of my life, which I have been working carefully crafting for years. I have planned this for years, right? That was my dream to it just, I guess, find the freedom. You know, I have been lucky enough to have two beautiful sons, you know, raise them, you know, and, and doing everything you need to do with those responsibilities, getting certain platform in where I can have a home and certain security, right? And now it's back in a way to be 20 again. But yeah, with the wisdom of 60, which is like, that's, that's the magic of it, right? So it, I think it's a time of wisdom right now for me and, and enjoying life freely and dedicating my time and my to the passion projects. I've been very, very fortunate through the years that I have had a career in which I focused, I got up every morning and I went to work in something that I love and something that it challenged me, something that it made me, you know, learn something new every day. So that has been a tremendous journey. But nevertheless, you are you you, you have to have a, a let's say a responsibility on a daily basis. There's certain, you know, time that you are committed to it, which is a lot. You, we all know most of our hours of the day go to work. And then, you know, you have the other little time that you get your personal life. So through the years I have always carved the time to dedicate to my personal life and build those. Thursday night dinners to make sure that I was in contact and connected to the friends and the family, to go to Spain every summer of my life with my children, to visit my large family in Spain. But now it's time of freedom. Yes. It is time where, you know, last year, the minute that I hung my hat of the responsibility of every day going to work, I spent six months in Spain. Yeah. And it was, it was fabulous. It was amazing. It was like, you know, every summer when I go, you just get there. And then, you know, three weeks into, you know, that you're starting to dread that you need to return, right, to reality. Yes. And and this time, I moved the ticket. I don't know how many times. Whatever <laughs> times. I mean, my friends here were wondering. And my children, are you returning, mom? Are you coming back? And I say, eventually, I'll come back eventually. So eventually, sometime in, I left in June and I came back sometime in early November. And I love coming back here. And I love the life here. But it was that sense of freedom, that sense that you are not in the clock. And then with that comes the, the fabulous open field to dedicate my time and my energy to projects of love in which you are not necessarily looking or, uh, for the responsibility of having to make money or respond to a whole organization or having a giant team behind you that is depending on you. So it's this, this sense of freedom to really fly high and go right above and look down and really say, and today and this month, I want to focus on this. And you just land and you just take your time, you know, developing that idea and developing that project. And uh, it is been a tremendous, tremendous time. I'm uh, literally a year and a half into it. And I just, uh, so I'm so excited for the next I listen to a hundred. I'm planning to live at least into a hundred. That's my plan. Right? I have no <laughs> doubt. Your spirit and your spunk will give you longevity for many, many years to come. 
Yeah. So I'm really excited about today, about tomorrow, about the future. And uh, the reality of it is, is looking amazingly beautiful, you know, uh, the rest of my life, you know. And, and, you know, life in the end of the day is so precious. And, uh, you know, what we've been going through, obviously, is, is it makes us realize so clearly every morning when you wake up how lucky we are. We're here. Oh, so many questions. But actually, I want to stay with the spirit of love and creation and life and freedom. And I'm curious if I may get personal, I have seen you as a vivacious woman, fully independent with children, but not with a husband since I've known you. And so I'm curious, do you have a partner or what is it? What does your world look like in terms of love life and how do you manage it? And what advice do you have for those who are listening, especially women? (laughs) Well, you know, let me, let me tell you a short story. One of it is I love men. Let me start with that. Okay. And sometimes people ask me, says, well, what kind of man do you like? You need to define. And I say, hey, I like them all. I grew up with five brothers. That They were fabulous when I grew up. They gave me the wings I have today behind me, physically and literally, right? You know, and, and uh, philosophically. I, I have been there. I have been married. I obviously, yes, I have flings here and there. But I am a very, how will I say, independent woman. And uh, that does not mean that I don't have a space for love. I do. But not to be married now. I don't know. I just don't need it right now. Neither I have needed for the last years. Do I love the company of men? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so who knows? Who knows? But it's not like it's something that I need to do or I feel like I have to have in my, how do I say, in, in the plateau of my life. I think life is very full for me the way it is. And I guess, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. And the reason I ask, I hope it doesn't, it's not too prying, but I think it's really an interesting time because for women and men, people are staying single longer and they're marrying and then they're divorcing or they're remarrying or they're not. I have a group of women that I am very close with in their 20s up to 40s, and many of them are not married yet. And there's a real conversation that happens very regularly around what does it mean to be married? What does it mean to be in a partner? What does it mean to be independent or a woman or a man as well? You know, I'm just speaking from my experience. It tends to be this group of women that we talk about are our sense of identity. And so I was really curious to hear your take on relationships and, and the needs for, you know, the old, gone are the days of checking the box that you have to be married in order to be validated or strong or independent or feeling comfortable with yourself. And so that's really what I wanted to shine a light on with you because I see you modeling that. Well, I, I must say I have never felt that I had to check that box. I don't know if because I grew up in a very independent way with a lot of men around me. I always felt the freedom and freedom of the mind and economical freedom, you know, financial freedom. It became very clear very early on in my life that it was really important for me to grow my wings on my own, you know, and that has given me the security and the, the determination to be fearless in so many ways and live my life my way. That does not mean that I am not willing to share. I am willing to share. I share plenty with everybody in my life, and I love that. But the reality of it is, one of the most precious things that I hold in my life is my freedom. And, uh, and uh, therefore, I think, you know, 
you, I think it goes by, I mean, the society has created certain guidelines and certain boxes, right? And then, and to, but I think it's up to each and every one of us to just look ourselves in the mirror and say, what, what are those boxes? What do they mean to me? Do they mean something? What is important to me? And for me, the, the box of being married, it was never that important. You know, now I must say, I always wanted to have a family. You know, I always wanted to have a family and that I will not trade it for the world. If I was to do it all over again, I will have children on my own. You know, if I, if I do, do not come across a man that I love and I, I do think if somebody, if I'm going to be in a journey uh, parallel with, with, with uh, somebody by my side, it has to be additive for both of us and it has to work both ways. It's not about... I remember when I got married, you know, and, and my husband asked me, he wanted to get married. I could have been really happy having children not being married. And then when he says, well, you know, he assumed I was going to take his last name. And I said, what? And I mean, it, it was like for me, no, my God, you know, what would I lose my last name? My, 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 since I was born, I've been Tejada, right? What would I lose? Well, you know, and he just wrong. He says, since all my life, all these women wanted to be Mrs. Kimiji, which is his last name, wonderful man, by the way. But and I, and she says, and now that I'm decided, I want to get married. You don't want to have my last name. And you don't I want think, it. No, no way. <laughs> like it didn't even cross, it didn't even cross my mind, right? So you know, but I, but I think if there are certain traditions, you know, that uh, you know, we we are all part of the of the journey of life, and and uh, traditions are wonderful. Sometimes they wait a lot, you know. I think it's up to each and every one of us to what do you call it, torearlas, you know, in Spain we say, you know, to just kind of like the bullfighter kind of plays with the bull, right? Yes, like, you know, challenge them, you know, challenge the traditions, you know? And, and I think we, we should, uh, I have always, I have always tried to take what it was important to me, but I always left behind what it was not. There is certain traditions of what, they, of what the society expects of you. And believe me, where I come from, there is plenty of expectations, traditional expectations, you know. So I, I have uh, I have been challenged by that, you know, a lot, a lot growing up. Now it's, you know, now people say, God, you did this 30 years ago, you did that 40 years ago, we, our eyes will go like, what? What are you doing? Now everybody's doing it, you know. When I got divorced, nobody was getting divorced in Spain, you know. And I will go back into the summer and everybody will be like, oh my gosh, she's divorced, right? Like, Anyway, you know. So I love what you're sharing and thank you. And keep keep sharing everything along the lines that you're doing. It's so interesting and inspirational. And there are women like me who are watching you from afar. And I think it's important for you to know that. And I tell my mom the same thing and other women that I look up to, my aunts and other women in business, friends. It's so important for the women who are carrying the light in their 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s, that the rest of the women who are in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, they're really still coming into their own and life is changing so fast that it's awesome to see women like you paving the way and breaking through the molds and living really fulfilled, meaningful lives. I asked my mom and my sister on a hike the other day, my mom just turned 70. And she was really, you know, nervous about that. But then when the day came, she felt so full of joy and love. And she had friends from all over the world sending her videos of well wishes and notes, and we compiled it. And it was a special moment because of COVID, you know, we weren't able to get together. But those who are local, we did a surprise mask on 
birthday party for her too. So there are just a few people around the garden. And then we had the videos going and she just felt this overwhelming sense of love and community that I'm not sure that she had embraced or realized until it was just flooding her. And she was, you know, tearing. And it was a really special moment for me to watch and for my sister to watch and my niece and nephew and all of her friends and her beloved partner, Yurion, to watch. So I I just really enjoyed that moment. And we had on in that trip when we were together, we went for a hike, my sister and my mom and I, and I said, what women do you really look up to as your role models? And like, who has influenced you in your lives, different times of life and different stages of life? So I thought that was a very curious conversation because you know your family so well, but you don't necessarily ask those questions that you might read about or interview somebody about. So it started causing me to ask people that question. So I want to ask you what women have influenced you and helps you to pave your path of creativity and independence and beauty. Well, I think, you know, you can start with the 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 woman that, uh, or I can start with the woman that the whole world knows, right? I always been fascinated, fascinated by Chanel, the life of Coco Chanel. Why? Because she was irreverent and she just paved her way and she just did it her way, you know? And, you know, you can't get tired, or at least I don't get tired of reading her life, her story, and, and the way she just became irreverent to all the traditional stuff and she reinvented the way women uh, feel. But started with her own. It was not about preaching anything to anybody. It was about living her life her way. Most of this, and you, of course, you 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 read and you and you learn more about you know women like Frida Kahlo, right? Again, yeah, that's who I was waiting for you to mention. <laughs> I love Frida. Yes, again, but you know, there are women, the obvious poster women that uh, it's interesting. There is a common thread of why, whether it's a woman or a man, we become maybe we exude and we explode and we become like an iceberg. The iceberg, the point of the iceberg, comes up in a much higher way and explodes into the world when you have challenges earlier on. I do think, you know, when you have lived a life and the life has presented you with challenges and, and not necessarily an easy, an easy pathway, you develop, you develop this sense of, of a warrior, this sense of, and then and once you start tasting what that feels like and what the power that that gives you, that's, I think, is when you go to this, place of wisdom, strength, and, and I think uh, in the end of the day is serenity. You know, is the sense of serenity of becoming comfortable in your own skin, becoming comfortable and, and celebrating who you are and who you are becoming without having to be somebody else or what somebody else or the society expects of you, right? So I, I think, you know, those, you know, those women represent that. And it's great, you know, that the world talks about them. You know, it's great to read their books. It's great to hear about their, their story because you can relate to it and you can say, me too. But then that is that up there, you know, what the world, you know, kind of sees. But then there is those other warriors that they are more silent to the, a lot of the world. You know, there was a woman in my village. Her name was Amelia, who her husband got, killed in the war, she raised her kids. And since I was like six, seven years old, I used to love spending time with her because she was a dreamer. She was a fighter, she was a dreamer. She found the time from making the best coffee and sitting down and talking with you and really, and her eyes. And I always used to look at her and say, 
if I could only see what her eyes see, you know? You know, that's fascination, right? So there's a lot of women heroes in a different places. I discovered my mother, you know, being a young girl, the only girl with six, uh, with five boys. You know, I used to fight with her in my teenagers. Like, you cannot believe. My mother was traditional. I was not. I was certainly not traditional. And then my mother spent the last 10 years of her life here with me. And we became the best friends. We used to go to SUNY every Saturday for lunch, her and I. And we popped out a bottle of wine and, and we just talked about everything. And he became discovering under that skin of tradition that my mother had always saw me, you know, growing up. I discovered this invincible woman, which it was the most unbelievable experience for me. That made me, in so many ways, who I am today, discovering that. She was this incredible warrior. She covered herself under this traditional. And I think what it was, it was she had fear. She had fear of me being so, so aggressive into, and, and taking risks in life. So she saw me this world of being traditional and being more protected, all of those things, right? Then when I really, truly discovered her, I understood what an incredible woman was behind that. And I do think our mothers, are the most if we get a chance and if we are lucky enough to spend time with them i always say to my friends that is the most precious time you can ever spend it'll give you fuel to become the best you can become if you have the opportunity to discover your mother that that is something that that it really has made a big difference in my life i have tremendous saying being said that being said i have an incredible group of women in my life that I admire for so many things. And, and uh, I love spending time. I always say that I discover women later in my life, you know, because I grew up with a lot of men around me and I have a certain, you know, I love to drive tractors and jumping from, you know, from trees and, and riding horses and riding a motorcycle. I love to do all those things that guys do. You know, I always wanted to do it. And yet, in, I would say in my 40s, I started discovering women in a more full and it was the time when I was spending a lot of time with my mother. So now my, I think my life is a lot more balanced in terms of the women and the men influence in my life. Of course, I have two sons in my life, but I'm lucky enough, you know, that when my sons, you know, like, you know, that they have a woman in their life, like my older son has this beautiful woman in his life. It's wonderful to spend time, you know, with this young woman, you know. So it's like, so yes, I gave you a long answer, but, uh, you know, I have, a number of amazing women from all different parts of the walks of life, from people in my village to, you know, who are currently in my village. And I go and I spend time with them. And it is beautiful to women here, you know, who are, if you want to say, more cosmopolitan, living in a world that is much more international. And the wisdom is there. And I learn from each and every one of them. A lot, not a little, a lot. Thank you for sharing all that. I absolutely have been soaking up every word. So when we met, you were the board chair of the Imagine Bus Project. And while you were not serving as a, in a motherly role, or there was no feminist angle, it was really a community angle of trying to support these youth who are incarcerated through art and creative expression. Tell me a little bit about how you found the Imagine Bus Project and you know, tell me about, about your experience as a board chair. Well, you know, the Imagine Bus, it was an incredible 
10 years of my life, the 50s. The 50s, my 50s were dedicated to the Imagine Bus, really. I was working, you know, going in the corporate world, being really creative and having a lot of fun, raising my children. But uh, the Imagine Bus came about, my friend Joe, one day called me and says, you know, Celia, I'm part of this, you know, this group, you know, that we take art, uh, you know, to the kids in challenging areas. And we really need your creativity, you know, to we're putting events and you're very great. So I go to help and I say, but please, and I say, I'll help you to do an event and stuff like that. And I say, don't ask me to ask for money okay? because I don't know how to do that. I think we all say that. Right? Yes, everybody says that. In a profit, right? And I said, asking for money is the most intimidated thing, you know, in the world, right? And anyway, so I went to one meeting and then they invited me to, and I got the bag, right, of these kids. And at that time, the Imagine Bus was supporting little kids in challenging neighborhoods and also all the way to kids incarcerated. Throughout this process, you know, I was just going helping, you know, you know, a little bit to do some events. And then one day they wanted me to go to the juvenile hall and see what the program did at uh, the juvenile hall in San Francisco. I have never been in a jail before in my life. And I remember walking into the juvenile hall and we, we went through seven doors. I can still hear them clicking behind me as we went through the hallways until we arrived to this room in where 15 cells, you know, open up to this open studio and, uh, you know, the teachers where they are teaching uh, one of the classes, right, to these kids. And needless to say, when I walked out of that class, after an hour and a half with those kids, I uh, walked out of the building and I looked at uh, my friend and I said, what do I need to do? I was transformed. And I came home, my boys were watching a soccer game with their friends, and I told them, I, t- I turned off the TV, right? And they were in the middle of a goal or something. <laughs> Mom, don't stop. And I say, you are going to listen to me on this. And there were like seven of them. And I say, I told them the experience. And I say, you, we are so privileged. This experience, I'm determined to do something about it. And I say, and all of you are going to do it with me. because." Those kids deserve the same privilege that you guys have. The freedom to be with your friends, the freedom to be young, the freedom to be, you know, a little bit of a rascal, watching games. I don't know. I just felt it was, I just felt touched, you know. So that led to me joining the board and eventually kind of leading the organization and, and focusing the organization into the most needed at that time or where nobody wanted to touch I think what it happened is the board at the time, it was very spread all over. And I said, you know, there are other organizations that they help the other, the other parts that the, the, the organization was serving. And the, the kids, incarcerated kids, everybody was really scared about that and intimidated. And I, I didn't blame it, but I thought we needed to go there with no others have gone before full-fledged to really make a difference. And my commitment at that time was, I promised myself, and I said, if I can save, Two kids out of just going back into that world and to really build a life for themselves in which they have, you know, the opportunity to live a life that they deserve and help their mothers along with it. I will have feel, I guess I will feel that I've done a little bit of a work or I have done my, my, I don't know if the world is to meet my goal, but my, 
my my obsession was to save at least two kids. And as I feel like I'm saving my two children in a way, you know, imagining those mothers of those children. So that was kind of the beginning of the journey. That was the beginning of the journey. And that, like I said, led to, you know, a, a lot of a, incredible amount of research, meeting with people, knocking doors, asking for money, asking for money and asking for money. But, you know, it was, it was such a rewarding, rewarding and inspiring experience. And I think, you know, I like to think that we made a difference. I like to think we're making a difference, you know, throughout. Like I say, you know, this group of many of the groups of people in my life uh, joined that, that crusade, including all the children, you know, all the boys and girls that, that we had in our lives. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those journeys, one of those chapters in life that, you know, I look at it and it's definitely not forgotten because we're still part of it. But, you know, when you feel like, when you feel proud, I guess, proud of have done something good and and uh, and uh, inspired to do more of it. Mm, that's so beautiful. It really inspired me to do more of it, I guess, you know. And so since then, Maria Cristini was one of the first people that I interviewed. She's the um, professional executive coach. She took over from you when you stepped down as the board chair and you started the auxiliary chair or the auxiliary board to bring in a wider audience of new members of people to get involved. You stepped into that. She stepped into the board chair and then she, you both recruited me together to join the board. And little did I know what I had in store because it was just 12 months later Later, that we were saying, all right, let's talk about our future. And, and that was a very challenging time because it's a small organization having major impact, but it's such a small organization. It was very hard to sustain it financially. We ultimately found the success center. They found us serendipitously and we were brought into that family. So now the Imagine Bus Project is part of the success center in San Francisco where they have acquired, I'm not sure the number, but it must be over a dozen nonprofits over the last couple of years so that they're really stronger together. And I just want to highlight that because it's the full circle story of, you know, when you were brought in, the the mission was one way and then it evolved and then it now taking on another morphed reality. And it's such a beautiful journey to not be attached to the founder story or attached to, you know, one mission, but it's really, how can we do the best work and what's the best way to do that? And so I love that they're in a happy place now. And I know that there's need there too. So I'll make that shout out that Success Center does need continued support, especially in these times. Since the transitions, you've stepped into a new world and you are just telling me about this creative collaboration on the web where you're highlighting artists. So tell me about how you're creating community through professionals and creatives. Well, um, so one of the things they, uh, with the Imagine Bus, going back to the Imagine Bus for a moment, is we, and everything is interesting through life, how the dots connect along the way. And one day, kind of certain dots connect and you say, aha, that's what I was doing, that and that and that, right? That's the magic. That's, I think that's the magic when you do things that they matter to you, you know? And because you do things and somehow sometimes they seem isolated here and there, but and then one day they start connecting. And that's the power. That's the power. When, that's when you feel electrified. That's when you feel so excited. And I think, you know, Arte Immortal, which is this platform that I've been working on in the past year creating, 
He actually, the roots goes back very early on in my life because I love photography and the photography, my love for photography really was born one day. And I remember specifically that day. It was 1985. I had been here for five years. I go every summer to the village and I always loved to sit in front of the house with this older man, Teofilo was his name. He was 85 at the time. And he was the ironsmith of the village, right? And he, you know, people will criticize me for doing, you know, unusual things like coming to America, living with my boyfriend without getting married, blah, blah, right? He will look at me and he will say, Mariceli, they call me Mariceli, they says, how is life in America? Tell me about it. He says, don't listen to all these people. Just live your life, live your life and come back and tell me all about it. I just want to know. Oh, what a beautiful man. Yeah, this man had this spark in his eyes, and he, I used to talk to him for hours, and he would tell me these stories during the war, the memories of my father, blah, blah, all of those things, right? So I remember 1985, I'm back from Spain, and in an October day, my mother calls me, and he says, I have very sad news. He says, says you're going to be really sad, and I know it says Teofilo died, you know? And I remember, you know, kind of, my heart is stopped and I say, you know what? Oh my God, it's like I need, I promised myself at that time that I will not let go of anybody else there without capturing them, capturing the life in their eyes for the rest of the world, never to forget who those people were in photography. So I bought my first camera. I went on and bought my first Nikon. I have no training at all. I took classes at night in UC Berkeley of photography. And I went from then on, from 1985 until today. At that time, it was film. It was not, you know, digital. And I will take 40 rolls, 40 rolls of Ilford film, right? And I remember 40 rolls, and I will shoot the whole 40 rolls in the month of August in people in the valley. You know, I was there with my camera at all time, right? So that was my passion. I never learned the right technique in photography. I'm a huge lover of photography. I love what it does. How it You're does. a beautiful photographer. You were instinctual. Yeah, you just followed your eye, I'm sure. I, I love to capture the moment. I'm actually sitting here. This is my photo room and my kind of creative space, but I have the cameras and, and I have my cameras, like I said to my friends, an idiot proof, right, <laughs> for take portraits. The light, everything is controlled, yep. everything is ready. And I just have to shoot and capture the moment, right? I don't need to think in techniques. But going back to this story is that through the years, I always capture and I come back and I spend in those years the money. I was making like $350 an hour, $5 an hour at a time, you know, and I was spending seven, dollars $800 in developing this film. Oh, my God, I wish at that time we had digital, right? Um, but it was my my most precious thing, right, to develop all of that. And I have boxes and boxes and boxes of film, you know, that I shot at that time. Moving forward, you know, in all this, you know, the Imagine Bus is through art, right? So it's like, you know, we are, we are sharing with these kids that they are locked into a cell, the power of creativity, the power of allowing your heart and your soul to, in a way, get out of your body and fly away. You are not in any cell. You are not in any village. You are not in any place. You can be whenever you want in your imagination. Art does that. Art, the art you are wearing in your chest. That's why art is passion. Art is life. Art is immortal in so many ways. You know, art immortalizes 
so many of our dreams. And I think it has powers. It has incredible powers, what art can do for each and every one of us. So the Imagine Bus became a landing place for me to, in a way, and inspire But you know, what art was doing for these kids, but we can do, you know, what we were doing going into the juvenile hall. You know, we were doing a yearly event in which I invited all the people that I knew, photographers, painters, sculptors, to do an event to donate. We picked the subject every year and donate, create a piece of art. That piece that you're wearing, it was, you know, donated for one of those events, you know, uh, a jewelry designer, you know. And then, so that further cemented this whole expansion into all of these people that I knew and started creating, connecting the dots in all this community that I knew, the photographers and painters and jewelry designers, everybody, right? So that created, in a way, my net expanded and it became a lot more solid. I could see and each and every one of them. These 100 artists that they, every year I was asking them, well, this year the subject is freedom. And then the next subject is, you know, pick up your wings and fly. And the next subject is this, right? And everybody created with their own, you know, put on. So that takes me into, you know, I've been, uh, you know, the last chapter of my career has been with Gary Friedman at Restoration Hardware, which is again, talking about having wings. You know, I mean, this man is my inspiration and my hero. I mean, talking about a dreamer and a, and a doer and a determined soul to, to make the dreams come through and the visions come through. So I just started doing in marriage curating artists and bringing photography into art. And, you know, a lot of the photography that you see into our age, I, I curated and brought that platform. So what I've been doing in the last year is really going full-fledged into building a platform that I call it Arte Immortal, you know, Immortal Art. And it is about photography and art. I'm basically now, you know, with this, in a way, the fan goes all over the world. I mean, I have artists from Spain, from England, from South Africa, from Syria, from everywhere in the world. I'm curating their work in a way that it can be commercially able because artists need, I feel in such a need to support artists, to take what they see through those eyes, like this woman in my village, Amelia, right? To what her eyes to see, I want them to be able to share it with the world and the world can travel through their journey and through their camera and through their hands or the way they create art. So it's a a project that I'm extremely passionate about and it's connecting me with amazing creative people, amazing artists, and and it is a joy. uh, And I think in the end of the day, that's where I love waking up every morning and it's just working in projects that connects me with people, which is the other thing I was just going to say. You can like, I, I, I like, to create projects and doing, whether it is doing a book or doing, you know, creating a platform for art. But really the, the, the art is important, but the people, the people behind, that is really the glue that it holds it together and inspires you. Because the art you created and it's there, right? But the people behind it, if you, I think what I find is the more I feed that soul and I feel that engine, the more creative it becomes. And the connections with those people, it just makes me richer and fuller and gives me more wisdom and it gives me more inspiration and it gives me more energy to wake up tomorrow morning and 
you know, do the next steps to make it better and more perfected and bringing in more people and bringing in more art, new, learning new things about it. And finding a way through the path of the, of the commercial world also so they can live and support themselves to continue doing what they are doing without having to worry about, you know, working in something else. That's, that's the point and the, and the purpose of it, really. I love it. So people can follow it by going online, I'm sure, to the website. But are you also on Instagram or Facebook or where, where else socially? Well, right now I'm just in the, in the it's, it's, uh, it's not public out okay. there yet. I just have a little Instagram that I just put in of Arte Immortal. Okay. But it's, it's going to start, this is just the beginning, just about go live, going live. You'll hear about a live. Okay, good. This is just the teaser. Well, I had a funny experience where the other day I was looking at some art and it was this gorgeous heart and it was called The Optimist, which really resonated with me. And this man is all the way in Australia, which I had no idea. I was just scrolling and it came into my feed. I reached out to him and I said, I just love how art brings people together. And I'd love to talk to you on my podcast. And then you and I connected. So I hope that we can have that interview and that we can feature him and more artists. Everything you are saying about your passion for photography and capturing the essence of a human is really what my goal here is too with the podcast is that it's really a labor of love because it's such a beautiful experience to have conversations like this with people that are fully dedicated and committed to just that one person and their thoughts and their ideas. And I, I love it. And it's, you know, some of what I'm talking about here is very, you know, it's, talking about techniques and fundraising and philanthropy and strategy, but I'm also very excited about the expansion of the podcast into conversations about passion and connection and what motivates and drives people, just like what you're sharing with me. So here's just a raw moment of me <laughs> just talking. Yeah, that is good. Well, well, it's interesting because the art, what it has, one of the main things right now in my life is a project that I'm doing in the valley where I come from in Spain. And that was one of my main reasons really to, at 60, to gain the freedom of get, getting my time back so I can spend more time in Spain. And I, I have this project in Spain that is completely related through the umbilical cord, really, to, to, to art or through art. And it is reinventing this forgotten valley through art and culture. You know, I got this little hotel, 1600 mill house, in which is, and, and this is something you can see a lot of the artists that I'm supporting in there. It's called Molino Tejada. And that's a beautiful website. Anybody who's listening, oh my, she'll die just looking at this view, the, the beauty of that place. And what it is, is it's a little, a little uh, boutique hotel that it really is. This, the little hotel is an excuse on, it's on, on top of a river. It's an old mill house. And what it is, is a, is a heaven destination for artists from all over the world to come in and being creative and really express their art also in this ancient, ancient, I guess, ballet where it's totally forgotten by society. You know, where I come from is like, you know, people don't know about it. It's like, but, but that makes it an amazing place, you know, to, to spend time and to be inspiring, you know, to be inspired. By so we have, you know, in there four years ago, three years ago, I started actually with this American photographer, Nathan DeHart, which you know him very well, right, from here. He came to visit and I shared him this story, with him this story about, you know, the, the Teofilo, the old man in the village, right? That when he died and I bought my camera and I said, I always had this dream to really 
taking real amazing, I would say, museum quality photography of the people in my valley. And he looked at me and he says, I love to do that with you. So we spent three years ago, a whole month of August, photographing 200 of the elderly in my valley, right? Everybody over 65 years old. You know, we have this amazing, I mean, he did this incredible portraits of these people. And we created a book that is called Immortals, uh, The Immortals of My Valley, which is amazing. Actually, you know, actually that is the book oh, back there. Awesome. Back there. Yeah, it's amazing. And in the, that book, you can, you can view it in the Molino Tejada website. Yes. You know, that book is in there in the digital format. But, you know, it's, it's interesting how all of the dots connected, you know, when Nathan went there and all of a sudden, of course, now he goes back every summer. Everybody knows him and he's capturing, you know, memories for everybody there, you know. So, you know, it's, it's, I think in the end of the day is how the, the beautiful thing about life is when you follow the passions, the things that inspire you and you work uh, on them, you know, you dedicate your time and, and your connections with it and the dots start connecting. It is so well worth the path of growing older. Oh, <laughs> it is so, so then when it says, do you wish, will you be 20? No, you know what? I'm very happy with 51, <laughs> you know, because, you know, now I can connect the dots and I can see, you know, the, the, the journey and I can see what is ahead, that the possibilities are so beautiful and amazingly inspiring. And I have to ask you then, I have a loved one in my life who is in her mid to late 20s. And, you know, during this time of COVID, she's really pausing and reflecting and saying, you know, does my, does my work bring me meaning? No. Do I want to have more freedom? Yes. Maybe I should, should I leave my work and explore my passions or, you know, go back and live with parents so that I can save money or should I keep going or what should I do with my life? So I guess I would ask you, What's the wisdom you would impart on this generation of like the millennials who are struggling to figure out what to do with their lives? You know, part of them, they just need to get some experience under their belt. They need to get some professional experience. They need to earn some money. They can pay off their college and pay for their car, pay for their rent. But then where do, where do you find time for your passion and for your love and your creativity? How does, how does the journey look as a 20 year old so that when you're 60, you can feel the sense of gratitude, but no, maybe it's not every single year that you're at this place of passion in your workplace, but maybe it is. What, what do you think? Should you be in a job where you're passionate every day or do you have like a means to an end? What's your take? My answer is you should always look for the light. You should always look for what inspires you. Sometimes it's harder than others, okay? But I think you cannot lose sight that life is short. I know when you're 20, even 60 seems like very old, but it comes very quickly into your life. Very quickly, you know, the journey passes. So the joy of life is not the end of, of uh, it's not achieving certain ends. The, the joy of life is the journey, the steps that you take from the beginning. Very interesting. Maria Cristini right now has a program for youth, and it is amazing. And it is basically taking those 10 days when you finish your college, you know, and take 10 days in this kind of very organized program to organize and think about, kind of organize your life, your thoughts, okay, to be prepared for the journey. Which you say, oh, how can you do that in 10 days? But at least to create a strong man of 
of what are the things that are important. Sometimes, so the answer to me on, to, that I'm going to give you on this is that, and I'm going to give you a sample that I always share with the youth around me. I think you should always strive to find the light for things that inspire you. You may need to do tandem, other work that you may not like, but don't just go for the money. When I first came here and I was 20, I was working and I was making $3.50 an hour, working in design, okay? They were paying me, and I was there behind the drafting table and doing design and stuff. And this other young woman was working with me. And one day she tells me, Celia, you know what? I'm going to leave this company because, you know, I got an offer from Bank of America to be a secretary and I'm going to be making $7 an hour. It was double. And I remember I looked at her and I said, oh my God, you're selling your soul to the devil. To the devil. If you get into that, you're going to be vicious about making the money. We all know that in the creative world, it takes time to be built up. And I said, you will never come back to be the creative. I said, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to do this for a couple of years. I'm going to save money. And I said, but this is the time when you least need money the least, really, in a way, because you can live cheaply and stuff. Many, many years later, one day she called me and says, I think about you so many times. Really? I stayed in my touch. Job. Yes. Yes. And she says, I think about you so many times because I never fully was able to get back into it. I got into this journey and then it went from 7 to 10 to 11 to 12. Well, I went from 350 to not 350. <laughs> 450 uh, to not. Right? Yeah. yeah. But now, yeah. the most important part in all of this, I never let go. My hand was attached to this iron on fire, which was my passion. I never let go of that. I did many other things to make money, to support, to pay the rent, all this, but I never let go of spending the best I could the majority of my time in creative roles. I have been in corporate through the years, and I was offered more money, more power, bigger titles to take other departments. And I always say no. And they were like, how can you say no? And I said, because I don't want to be distracted from an area in the corporate that it is not my core strength and my passion. And what is going to happen is when you're doing a work that you don't like, it sucks the soul out of you. It sucks the inspiration out of you. And then you're good for nothing. Then you kill your spirit. So my answer and what I say to my sons and their friends, I was just two weeks ago sitting here with them by the fire one night. And I was, you know, they were asking me the question and say, do not give up your passion. When you are young, it is the most important time to cement what your passions are. You'll make money later. Stretch that loan. You know what I mean? Stretch it. Fine. You know, just, if you don't pay it in 10 years, you'll pay it in 20. The most important thing right now, the most important thing right now is to feed your soul, to, to focus your time and your young energy, Okay into something you're passionate about. And if you are lucky enough that you, that you are able to see the light of what you're passionate about, you become really good at it naturally. And when you become not good at it naturally, what happens is people start picking up on it and the money comes, the money comes. But I'll tell you, the most important thing is that your soul grows, your creative spirit grows. That's really what it comes. And then you come to a point and you become invincible in your own, I guess, dreams, you know? And, and uh, so the answer is, no, I will never advise anybody to say, oh, take that job and, you know, go and do the, the, the work for money. I do understand that you need to do sometimes, you know, parallel work, but do not let go of that hot iron in your hand. 
which is your passion. Do not. And find the time. You can find it. If you want it, if you really want it, you can find the time to really feed, feed that. I'm passionate about that. Who needs the Dalai Lama? <laughs> <laughs> this is like, this is gold. Can yeah, we never nice. stop talking? Can this go on for like four hours? Okay, I want to ask you another question and then tell me, are you burning out? How's your fire? How's your passion? Are you okay on time? Oh God, it's, 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 my bonfire is bigger than ever. Okay, so here's my question. Do you have fear anymore? Like, do you have challenges? Do things wake you up at night? Do you no, worry? No, 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 no. I, I, well, okay, I don't, I think one of the wonderful things about going through the journey and, and walking through the calls, you know, which we all have challenges in life, right? Is that it makes you stronger, right? And in a way, makes you fearless. You you develop this sense of fearlessness, which is amazing. I, I, one of the things that I fear the most is fear, okay, in life. And I hate it when I have fear. So do I have fear? I don't have fear. I'm pretty fearless, right? And when I have fear, I try to to wrestle with it and find the truth about it. I find and I build the face of that monster so I can fight it. You know, when that do you meditate or what do you do? That's like, how do you go in and face that? Well, I think it is. Uh, uh, so two things. I think meditation, I am discovering the power of meditation in a way. I have always written a diary all my life. I have had a book by my side and I always write my thoughts. And that has been my best friend always, because, you know, when you write in your diary, you cannot lie. You're gonna lie, you know. You 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 have to be truthful. Who do you? Where you are? You know. What's the purpose, right? So I think the idea is a release of of your thoughts. is a is a way to put them in a way that you can look at them and be like a mirror to you. And then you wake up in the morning. And, and so I think it's an, it has given me a strength and power through the years of my life and through the journey. So you know, I think it, through. That's what you learn. I that's what I have learned through through the years in my life is that the more the, when I see things that I I am fearful about it, I I don't retrieve. I actually I try to understand what is what is it that is scaring me about that, and I dive in, and I don't mind getting hurt. Okay, I don't mind getting hurt. I just wanted to get to the bottom of it so I can understand it. I'll give you an example. The last two days, I watched the Republican convention. And why did I do it? I have never watched anything on that in that before. I said, you know what? I need to understand why people are following the president that we have today. I need to understand a little bit, you know? And therefore, through those painful hours in the last couple of days, I've been watching that, you know, because I needed to kind of try to understand and getting closer. So that's a sample of, you know, when I, something that I don't understand or instills fear on me, when I see darkness, I try to get in there and try to understand it. And I don't, I don't let it linger for a long time on me. You know, well, I, 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 uh, I'm a fighter. Maybe that's when I pull out the sword and I get out there and fight. And I don't know if I always win, but at least I discover what it is. I am barely what it is. And then I know what, is, what to do about it. And at least, at least I know what to do about it. And I'm curious what your take is on all of the social or all of the unrest around the racial inequities and the painful killings that we're seeing. And just again, yesterday, and I know this, this is not live, but what do you recommend? How do you manage it? What do you recommend others do in terms of the intake of the violence, the intake of the media, you know, continually 
telling us about these atrocities and focusing on them, how do you manage that wanting to be a conscious citizen of society with wanting to keep your light burning and to be that role model and that lover and that inspiration and that warm place of refuge? Like what, how do you make balance between the grief and wanting to go into it and feeling angry versus letting it go? Like, do you let it go? I'm, I'm rambling and I'm verbally processing, but I'm really trying to grapple with it myself. And I don't know, what are your thoughts on how do you make sense of the chaos? Well, it's, it's a very interesting topic. And I think it's very, very interesting with this group of tertullians that I have that we every week we get together, you know, through the years uh, life every Thursday. Now we do it via Zoom every Thursday and with a, you know, cocktail on hand and we talk, right? But the bottom line is we are living dark times. This is dark times. The part, the part that for me is, I, I guess, very clear that I see is that it's also the media is so, so much of it, so confusing, so, so much information, so many opinions, and anybody can make that opinion blow up to be incredibly what it seems to be powerful or important. So if you listen to all of it, you go crazy. You really go crazy. So that is when I retreat. That's when my home is my kingdom. I control what I watch. I watch a little bit of here, a little bit of there. But honestly, I have a philosophy in life. I do not want to waste my time in things I cannot do anything about it. So I focus my time in being constructive. I focus my time in trying to understand. And I, yeah, like, like I said, the last couple of days, I did this. And it really, honestly, I had bad dreams. Right? So did I. I wake up oh my thinking, gosh. oh my yeah. God, there is... The way these people talk, it makes me, in a way, understand why people listen to them and there are people who follow so many lines, so much stuff. And you say, oh, you know, it's like unbelievable, right? But there is only so much I can do about that. So I, I know I can do one thing. I can vote. Okay? So that is really clear on my thing. I, I can vote. I can influence my children and their friends and the people around to vote. That's when we can make a difference. I don't want to waste much of my time in hallway talk and conversations over Zoom and debating over things that they, we all know, that I know in my heart and life. I don't want to waste my time on that. So that and that. I turn off the TV. I turn on the channel. I am not going to watch. I don't think I'm going to watch any more politics from here on until the day of voting because the reality of it is I know where my heart is. I know what I believe. I know what I'm going to vote for. All right. Accepted. Heard and accepted. <laughs> I like that. You know, done. Just going to the, to the, when it comes down to, you know, the issues that we're having, I mean, the things that, they, they, I mean, we're, we're really seeing, I think, unprecedented times, you know, the, the racial issues, I mean, the, the, the homeless in San Francisco, you know, the way we are, you know, the things, I mean, walking in the streets, I mean, there is so many things talking about connecting the dots. The dots are connecting and we are we are now faced with really, we're going to have to make major changes in our society. And it has to be, the changes have to be from the top down and from the bottom up. All of us are going to have to, to get together and really, you know, make, make changes to bring the society to a place that we want our children, our grandchildren to have a, a place that they deserve. It is no good. It's really no good. But I guess with that say, 
there are many other things in life and many things that we can do. There is one thing that I do believe it is, I think it's really important in these dark times to keep our mind and our souls healthy and our bodies, right? Healthy. I'm doing yoga every day, which I never had before. Every day we have yoga and we do it with my son in New York, my son here, my friends in Los Angeles. So it's like, take your mind to keep your body healthy, your mind healthy, your mind being creative in things that you love, connected with the people that you care, and they are giving to your life an inspiration. And then I think the goal is to come out of this dark tunnel, healthy and full of strength. So we can go, when we get out of this tunnel, which we will, and, and you know, nothing is forever. We will be, get out of this tunnel. When we get out in the other side, the people who are not born out, the people who have, you know, built the strength and kept the light in their souls are the people who are going to be able to really, truly make a difference to help to make the society a better world, you know. And I'm counting, particularly in, in like I say, in my sons, that's what I say to them every day. You know, don't waste your time in things you cannot do anything about it. Focus in, in what is going to keep your soul strong, keep your body healthy, and, and focus in things that you can do something about, not the things, not being frustrated, because there are plenty of things to be, Endless. To be frustrated. About. I love that. Making choices. I think we also have to make choices right now to protect ourselves. Yeah, yeah that's right. And to create that, that space for yourself to feel safe and not overwhelmed by atrocities there always have been and there always will be so yeah yeah but i mean with that say i must say you know the last six months that i've been at home i i feel more creative than ever me too yeah oh god my creativity is like pouring it's like i don't know if it's also been in a space that i i have carefully crafted throughout the years you know this place called home right that uh, I'm in a familiar place and I'm in, I'm in a comfortable place. So it's the perfect, with no distractions. So I'm in a perfect platform to be, to dream, to dream about dreams, to, to start, uh, you know, new ideas, new projects. It's also an incredible opportunity to reinvent new ways about living, you know? Yes. I love it. Well, we just both joined on the conversation talking about our hair. Well, not the way it used to be. We're reinventing ourselves. I don't care. There you go. <laughs> you don't care. I I just woke up the other day and had so many dreams, and especially since the fires, since I haven't been able to get outside of my apartment, I just can hardly breathe, and it's just one thing after the next. I have just been in this creative space, this wild space of going deep, 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 and having incredible dreams and waking up and wanting to write forever in my journal about them. So I just was getting some wild fire in me that decided to just go on Instagram and start talking in my story about my dreams. And it was one of the most liked engagements or stories that I've done on social media, I think ever. And I got so many people saying, I've been dreaming a lot lately too. Oh my gosh, you know, I had this crazy dream about this. I had a dream about that. And then starting the conversation about what do you think dreams mean? So it's been really an interesting time if you can contain it, right? If you can, or not contain it, but like capture it, look at it, enjoy it, embrace it. Yeah, it's embracing it. It's, it's, Do you dream much? Totally, totally. I think it's just about giving ourselves the time and yeah, the space. Slowing to down. To allowing ourselves to, to, yeah, to dream, to imagine, to imagine 
how we want things or how things can be if we make certain changes, I guess. And so, so life is, I mean, life nevertheless is beautiful and we can't forget that. And I think uh, we also have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to keep the optimism alive, feed it and really feed the optimism and feed the hope because it's contagious. Everything is contagious. Bad news is contagious, but also good news is contagious. Hope is contagious. Art is inspiring. And that's what I think, you know, for me, we go back to art and what you have right there in your chest. And that's why art is translates to passion. It translates to this innate, natural human desire to live this life that we've been given and living it well. That's, that's we can't forget about it. That is it. This has been, this is the best day. I, I love this interview. This is the best use of my Friday that I could ever imagine. Somebody asked me last night, what's going to make your day a great day? And I said, I don't know. Maybe I'll call my niece and nephew whom I love so deeply. Little did I know we would have this interview impromptu and it's so perfect, so beautiful. Thank you so much for everything you've shared with us. Celia, I love you so much. I appreciate you so much. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to share? No, I think we have talked about, you know, a lot we of covered oh, it. we can have more conversations. There is so much to talk There's about. There's so in much our, more. Like, next, I've taken a lot of Next conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My poor editing team and audience, they're like, this is the longest episode ever. But I had to get all these questions out. I had to hear you speak. Thalia, <laughs> thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. This is so beautiful. I appreciate you and keep shining. Shine on. Well, thank you. For, thank you for the opportunity. It's been a joy. Oh, Happy, so Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. With this latest valuable episode, we'd love to thank you for joining us on the Creating Community for Good podcast. If you found today's show valuable, simply visit our website, creatingcommunityforgood.com to leave a review as well as to get access to additional resources and relevant links from this show. Stay tuned for more episodes.